There's a lot of names. And God calls himself in Scripture. There's a lot of ways we can refer to God. Through faith in Jesus, we can enter into a relationship with the Father. And in that relationship, though there's many things, ways we can refer to God, he chooses to refer to us as his friend. This, this amazes me. That God would, through Jesus, choose to have a relationship with me as my friend. I know what friends are like on this earth. But to have one who is perfect, in spite of how I treat him, Profound implications on my response. Jesus has said, I no longer call you servants. I no longer want that type of relationship with you where you simply respond to what I said because I said it. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's bit. You know my heart. You know my agenda. I've told you. I've showed you. I've revealed to you my desires. They're not secret. But instead, I've called you friend. The fact that through faith in Jesus, God would want to respond to us as Friend, God loves us not just as his creations. Now, he says he loves us as friends. God has already proved his love for us. For the Bible says that greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friend. And that's what Jesus did. Jeremiah told us way in the Old Testament that God has loved us with an everlasting love. Paul tells us in Romans that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And so he's proved his love over and over and over. And he continues to show us his love every day. For the Bible also tells us that I'm convinced that nothing, nothing yesterday, nothing, nothing today, nothing, nothing tomorrow ever separate us from his love. So I know that God loves me. And he has called me his friend. There's no way that now with what I know, I could ever question if God loves me. And there's no way with what I know now that I could ever question how much God loves me. But I do question this. Does God know how much I love him? How do we show... That we are friends of God. How do I say thank you, God, for considering me 
your friend. Showing proof of friendship is not without precedent in the Bible. Matter of fact, the story is recorded where a sinful woman experiences forgiveness and goes to Jesus and anoints him with oil and gives to him and for him. And Jesus says, she has shown her love to me by what she did. See, here's the thing. We can't just say that we love someone without showing that we love someone. Does that make sense? Imagine being able to call God your friend. And for God to respond to you as his friend. Now, I, I, I know what it, what it is to, to drop names. I, I, know, I know how much, how much credibility that seems to give us when we can drop names. Uh, there is a man in our family who loves to tell us, oh, my friend, dot, dot, dot. Now, he's been around the athletic world at COS and Fresno State for a very long time. And a couple weeks ago, as we were in South Dakota watching one of our sons play football, we had the opportunity to hear over and over about his good buddy who was having his number retired at Fresno State. His name was Lorenzo Neal. And I understand the, the, the draw there is to drop names of friends. Can you imagine? Well, I got a friend, yeah, his name's Jesus. And anybody who... Who's old enough to love? Anyone who's old enough to be in love knows how horrible and how lonely it is to feel as though you're in love by yourself. To feel as though your love is unreturned. Though you love greatly, it doesn't feel as though it comes back. And the fact is, you may be loved deeply, but if you don't feel as though you are loved deeply, the end result is loneliness and depression. And it is a sad thing to be in love with one and have them say that they love, but not show it in a way that you feel it. Do you agree? And so I have to wonder, does God love by himself? Christians have made a long historical habit of saying that, oh, I love God and oh, I love Jesus. I love the work of God. But to say that we love, and not show it in a way that the recipient of that love feels it. Exactly. What a difficult, lonely world that is. Exactly. 
And so God has called us his friends and has loved us with the greatest kind of love. He didn't just say that he loved us, though we were told that in the Old Testament. He showed us the full extent of his love, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We can say all we want, that we love God, but how do we show God that we do? How do we respond to God as his friend? Not as his servant anymore, not as a slave anymore, not as a robot doing dutiful duty any longer, but as his friend. So these past few weeks, I've had occasion to start thinking about friends. Friends I have and friends I've had. Friends I've lost and friends that are no more. I started thinking about the qualities of friends and friendship And they're very much the qualities of love. And if the greatest command in Scripture is to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, how do we do that? See, it's important to know how we show love to God because the Apostle Paul has it. No mind has seen, or no, no eye has seen, and no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. And so I want to make sure that God knows, that God sees, that I show God that I love him because I want to know those things unknown and I want to see those things I've not yet seen. And so I want to show God that, yes, indeed, Father, I love you. Amen. And not just say it. Yes. Years ago, this guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Any of y'all familiar with that book? Five Love Languages. In that book, it's a book about relationships, primarily human relationships, primarily husband-wife relationships. But it applies to our, if you have kids, it applies to what their like love language is. It's, it's a fascinating and, and a very insightful uh, book. But th- there's, there's two propositions in that book. And one of them is this, that he says, loving relationships are built on communication. And the second one is this, the most important thing to communicate is love. But it has to be communicated in the way the person being loved experiences it. Because we don't all experience love the same way. And so in his book, Five Love Languages, he outlines the idea that there are five ways that we both give and receive love. And and we're wired in such a way to give and to experience love in specific ways, and they're not all the same. There's quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and physical touch. The challenge, the challenge is when we're in a loving relationship with someone who experiences love different than the way we do. That's the challenge. And if you're married, you understand that. And if you have children, I understand how they're wired, you understand that. See, typically we want to give love in a way we want to receive love. And that's fine as long as the one we're giving love to experiences love that way. But most often than not, we receive love differently. We feel it differently. And so, for instance, if I want to give love the way I receive love, I might want to receive love in acts of service, so that's how I give love. 
But if the person I'm giving love to through my acts of service receives love in words of affirmation, all it looks like is I'm busy. And if I'm constantly doing things in my mind as acts of love, but never affirming them with my words, they continue to feel unloved. Now, answer me. Are they loved? Yes. Yes. Do they feel loved? No. This is not just a hypothetical situation. Years ago, as I'm coaching at the high school, I start coaching with one of the guys. Uh, and and we're, we coached together for years. Uh, and, and, and he expressed love in acts of service. And she didn't. And year after year after year, he busted his hump serving his wife, his kids, their property. And year after year after year, she felt unloved. And it got to the point where they split up. And in my conversations with him, and sharing Jesus with him, coming over the house and having a couple beers, talking about Jesus and marriage, he eventually accepted Christ. And they put their marriage back together. Amen. And it was beautiful. But the implication of this love thing is profound. Yes. It's important for how we express love to God to give love to God in ways that God receives it. Because he has showed us his love for us. And now calls us friend. Yeah. Now, here's what I know. Friendships won't last where these qualities are not in good working condition. Do you agree? Let, let, me, let me just tell you this too, and I'm going to prove this to you in the Bible, so just hold tight with me. Don't, don't tune me out yet, but let me tell you this. If we don't give love to the one we love in ways they receive love, they'll get that love from something or someone else. I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. But let me just be clear. If we love someone and don't give them love in ways that they receive it, they will get it from something or someone else. So here's my proof. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles. This is the triumphal entry as Jesus is going into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. All the people have gathered around, praise him with loud voices for all the miracles that they've seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in high. And they are giving to Jesus all these words of affirmation. I suggest this is one of God's primary love languages. Praising God for who he is. And all the people around that triumphal entry are doing, showing love to God by words of affirmation. And those Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. Jesus said, I tell you this much. If they keep quiet, the 
stones will cry out. If they don't give me love like I receive love in words of affirmation, the very st- I'll get it from somewhere. Do you understand? He says, if you don't give me love like I receive it, I will get it. There was an old song back in the 90s. Ron Canoli did a great job covering it called, Ain't No Rock Gonna Cry Out in My Place. Long as I'm alive, I'll praise his name. Ain't no rock gonna cry out of my place. Long as I'm alive, I'll praise his name. If we don't give love, God will get it somewhere. And ain't no rock gonna cry out in my place. If it works that way with Jesus and words of affirmation, what makes us think it works any different with us? So here's the thing. I don't want to continually neglect the opportunity to show the one I love that I love in ways that they understand it. In some situations, it might be okay for a little while for them to get that love outside of that relationship. In some situations, it is not okay. Don't put the person you love in a position to experience love by someone or something else. Now, this is not a message about marriage and relationships. This is a message about our relationship with a father who has called us his friend. And I don't want to put God in a position to receive love from me from something else. Do you understand? And so it's important that we understand what God's love language is. After all, the Bible says that God is love. And so all of these love languages come from the Father. He speaks them all and he receives them all. And so I want to talk about three commitments that we make as friends of God, back to God. The three commitments that friends of God make, that we make as friends of God, is time with God, is serving God's people, and is giving to further God's kingdom. Those are three commitments that friends make to each other. And in this case, that friends of God make to God. Now, but, but don't, now don't get scared when I start talking about commitments. Don't let that frighten you. Commitments are good. Commitments are very good. See, here's what happens. We make commitments, then our commitments make us. So just make good commitments. Does that make sense? See, it, this is how it works. We become what we're committed to. And so if we want to become a disciple or a friend of God, we have to make commitments to what disciples do. You know, you tracking with me so far? And so according to God's love language, he requires from us as friends of him to make commitments to him that show love in ways that he understands and receives it. So here's what I've done. Y'all should have got a little half sheet with three areas of commitment. And I just want to walk you through this real briefly here. I want to walk you through this real briefly. As a friend of God, it's very important for how I respond and give love to God and how I show that. Because I can't just say it. Here, here's what I know. Don't, don't look at that card yet. Just look at me for a minute. Here's what I know. That, that, that we can give without loving. Do you agree? We do it every April 15th on tax day. 
Everyone else gives without loving it, right? But we cannot love without giving. You, you can't. And so we can't just say that I love God. There has to be, that, that, that's how God proved his love for us, that he showed it. And so towards that end, as friends of God now, I show God, according to his love language, commitments in three ways. One of those is time. That one of my commitments as a friend of God is to give God time. And when I say time, I don't mean leftover time at the middle of the day when you're eating your lunch or just leftover time at nighttime before you doze off and don't even realize you've fallen asleep. I'm talking about time in the morning before anything else. That the very first part of the day, before you get after the alarm goes off, before you get on your phone and check your social media, your stocks, and the news, before you start checking off boxes of what you have to get done, time, and time looks like two things, reading the Bible and prayer. And so I, I, I'm trying to give you all the resources you need to, to continue taking these steps and increase these steps. And so on November 1st, I told you, if you need a plan, start reading. In Mark 1, there's 61 chapters from, and in, from, in Mark, Luke, and John, and there's 61 days from November 1st through December 31st. And so it's easy, a chapter a day. Do you remember last series, we went through parts of the Psalms and we wrote out a prayer for every, every, every week we were going through. Do you remember that? I hope so, because it was like a week ago. <laughs> I hope you remember. So what I've done is I've printed out every one of those prayers and I put them all on a half sheet. And they're out at the start here, but it's also on our app. If you don't have our app, download our app because it's all on the app. So what I'm talking about, one of the commitments we make as friends of God, we don't just say we love God, we show it by time, quality time and words of affirmation. Time with God in his word and words of affirmation where we read his word and pray it back to him and praise him for who he is. Do you understand that so far? The other commitment we make, the second one, is acts of service. We... we we can't love if we don't do. And so God has asked of us, because I have done, I want you to do, not for salvation, but as an act of love, to serve me and my agenda. Every one of us needs an area of service, of serving God's people according to his kingdom in some way. And if you don't know which way you are designed to serve, let us know, we'll help you. We'll help you figure that out. Honestly, next Sunday at the preview service, there's a lot of places to serve there, as long as you smile. <laughs> Just let us know. But it's one of the commitments that friends of God make to God. And the other commitment that friends of God make to God is in giving to further God's kingdom. So let, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to, I want to peel back the curtain and show you how the sausage is made a little bit in this church. All right? And so, if you're new to this church, we own this entire Maywood Center. All the property. I think we're the only church in America that owns a diner and a propane shop and a liquor store and a, and a brewery and a gym. And I mean, we don't like own all that, but we own the property and they rent from us. 
And then we send that money to Guatemala and Angels of Grace and Pregnancy Care Center and Church Planning. And so as our church has gone through Financial Peace University, which a bunch of you did, and a lot of you have already gotten out of all consumer debt. It's amazing. And we're going to show you the results of that in a couple weeks. But as we were talking about that, we started thinking it would be good for our church to get out of debt. Right? So here's how this looks. I have a very dear friend of mine who just a couple weeks ago said, Carl, I'm, I'm going to do something because this is important to us as a church. I'm going to write you a check for $100,000 to give directly to the mortgage. I, I want you to get it right to that. Pay, pay that off as much as you can. And then added to that, I'm going to write you three more $100,000 checks over the next couple of years. So in January, we get the next one and then two more. So he's committed $400,000 to help pay down the mortgage. Is that incredible or what? Amen. Okay, now watch how this works. That's not going to do it. It's a big part of it. He's been incredibly generous with his money because he has been incredibly biblical with his money. And God's rewarded him abundantly. And he continues to funnel it into God's kingdom. So together with that $400,000 from this one individual, there's the next couple of years, we're going to add to that, watch this now, $4,000 a month above our current giving to pay down the mortgage, $4,000 a month. Doing that, the $400,000 from my good friend, and then our increased giving towards the mortgage at $4,000 a month, will pay the mortgage off in four years. It will save $131,000 in interest. It will shorten the life of the loan by four years and five months. And it will generate for the ministries globally from our church $20,000 plus each month. That's amazing. Because that $20,000 each month, hear me Fresno, will not go to coffee shops and fountains. It will go to things like Angels of Grace... It will go to things like Guatemala Academies. It will go to things like Pregnancy Care Center. It will go to people in, at, at Youth for Christ. It will go to our ministries in Cuba. And it will continue going to planting churches all around this country. And so part of this is, I want to ask you, what part of the $4,000 each month over and above our regular giving will you commit to over the next two years? Maybe there's 200 people within this church who will give $20 extra a month. That'll do it. Maybe there's 100 people in this church that'll give $40 extra a month. If you're slow in math, both those add up to $4,000 a month. I'm just, I just want to, I don't want you to get lost in the numbers. Maybe there's someone who will give 100 bucks a month. Actually, I was talking with this with someone in our church, and, and they were asking me what's going on, and I told them. They said, you know what? Write us down for 100 bucks a month. That's incredible. Over and above what they're doing. Maybe someone would be at 500 bucks a month. Maybe some of you are going to take your one large gift for 24 months, roll it all into one, so you don't got to worry about it every month. Maybe some of you are going to convert stocks. I'm actually going to have someone explain that to you because some of you are like, what? Socks? I don't oh, We'll help you figure it out. But here's, here's all I want you to do. Here's all I want you to do. 
I want you to pray about what part is your part. That's all I want you to do. And just follow what the Holy Spirit says. And if the Holy Spirit says, you know what, I want you to increase your giving $1 a month, then just be faithful. Just be faithful. If he says, some of you, you haven't even started tithing yet. I want you to try that. I don't want you to give anything else. I just want to start tithing. Just try that. Then just try that. Who knows? Maybe someone will say, you know what, I'm going to match your friend. 100 grand a month. Yeah, do that. I don't care what it is. Like, the point is not the do. The point is the obedience of the doing. That's all. So here's the thing. We understand when the church talks about increasing our time with God, right? We expect that, right? We expect the church to say that, right? And we understand what that, and we understand when the church says increase your serving of God's people. We well, this is no different. There's no different. And so that little half sheet, just take it home and just pray about it. God, what time do you want me to get up in the morning so I have time with you every day? God, where do you want me to serve? I'll do something. Might not be a lot, but I'll do something. And God, what's my generosity look like? And, just, and then bring that back on November 28th. And use that as part of your offering to God. God, here's my commitment I'm making to you to show that, yeah, I am your friend. And I realize I can't just say that I am. You're an incredible, you're a crazy church. Let me just say that. You're an incredibly crazy church. Let, let me tell you how that, what that means. During this past year, this crazy year, when all these other churches are shutting things down and tightening their belt and, and stop their, stopping their generosity, when they're all cutting back, over the last 10, just the last 10 months, over the last 10 months, you've given $75,000 to church plants all around our country. Yes. Over the last 10 months. Yes. And just last week, I sent another $100,000 to our academies in the largest urban slum in Central America, in Guatemala. That's amazing. What other church is doing that? And so the impetus of us getting this done is not that we have more money for basketball hoops. It's that we have more $20,000 a month to church planning in America and to the least of the least of the underserved in other countries. That only comes from a church that shows that they love Jesus. Since God is love, he created all these love languages. He speaks and receives all of these love languages. And so the question we, that we're going to look at in these next three weeks is how do friends show love? And in this, how do friends of God show love to God? God's love language is quality time. That includes words of affirmation. God desires us to set time for him aside every day day first I would suggest first thing in the morning if we just want to follow the example of Jesus over and over and over it says early in the morning he got up and went and spent time with the father now he did it in the afternoon and the evening as well but the common standard for Christ was early in the morning 
And quality time with Jesus is not rushed and it is not haphazard and it is not an afterthought and it's not just on Sundays. Do you know why God set his people free out of Egypt? They're in Egypt all those years. Captives in Egypt, slaves in Egypt. And God finally set them free. You know why he finally set them free? Two reasons. One, because God heard the cry of his friends and it's never God's will for his friends to be in bondage. That's one. But the other reason is so that they could be with him in worship. He said, when I set you free, you will worship with, you will worship me on the mountain. We'll be together. And so God has said, I want you to be free to be with me. I want you to give me your time. God's desire is always that we give back to God. And then this week we're talking about giving back time. I mean, can we remain good friends with those we don't spend time with? No. Just real quick, let me unpack this passage. Luke 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha, everybody say Martha, opened her house to him. She had a sister called Mary, everybody say Mary, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Here's the thing, some of you know what Martha's like. Some of you are going into a week, a few weeks from now, you're going to have a Mary, a Martha moment. Martha's preparing a meal. And don't you know, those of you who prepared meals, know how much work there is to do, right? Right? And some of us are going to, some, no, no, I'm not going to do a thing. Some of you are going to walk into that day. I have so much to do. Do you know how long it takes to get a turkey ready? And it can't be too wet. It got to be cooked, but it can't be too dry. And I make all these veggies that nobody ever eats. And the little cranberry thing that comes out of a can, everybody hates, but I got to have it because it's part of Thanksgiving. And my mashed potatoes, everybody loves my mashed potatoes, but right now they're too lumpy. And I got to get them back in and make them creamy, right? You know what this is like. Martha came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my mother? That lazy, out of work. I mean, you realize this was Martha's home. It wasn't Mary's home. Mary didn't have a job to pay a mortgage, but Martha did. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Did you ever talk to a child and be distracted with a child and a little kid grab your face and turn your face back and look? <laughs> you know what that's like? That's what Jesus is doing. Well, look at me, Martha. You're worried and upset about a lot of stuff, man. But very few of those things are needed. Order a pizza, we'll be good. Indeed, Mary has chosen the better, and you know, rock going to cry out in her place. See, there's a very subtle rebuke of Martha in this account. And honestly, I feel bad for Martha because probably her love language was acts of service, right? 
Like you with acts of service and the gift of hospitality and are going like, this isn't fair. Like all she's doing is showing love like she knows how to do it. Jesus needs to pay attention to poor Martha, right? And that's fair. There's always a time for service, but not at the expense of time with, ever. These guests are showing up. Details aren't finished. Martha sees her sister sitting there. What Martha's doing isn't bad. Not at all. It's probably out of love. But see, the culture of the time, when guests arrive, the culture of the time, this is not our culture, this is their culture, so don't get all, you know, women empowerment on me. I'm just telling you the culture of the time. When the guests arrived, the men sat with the guests and talked, and the women did the work. Amen. I'm just, it's just Bible. See, Martha was doing what the culture said to do. Mary was not. Here's the problem. Culture usually demands things of us that keep us from time with Jesus. You understand? See, the problem with being busy, it keeps us from time expressing love. Just ask someone how you're doing. What you'll get is a long list of how busy they are. See, we've made how we're doing synonymous with what we're doing. And usually what we're doing prevents us from expressing love. Because why? Because we're too busy or we're too tired. Martha was working, which wasn't bad, but Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, which was the position of a disciple. And Mary said, I will work, but not at the expense of time with as a disciple. See, Mary was a great disciple, and what she teaches us is this, that discipleship demands discrimination. Where Mary understood what we do not, that there are some things that I will not do now so I can prioritize time with Jesus. I suggest to you that God would rather have 30 minutes of your morning time in praise and words of affirmation than 30 hours of your volunteer time at church. And probably our volunteer time at church would be better if we spent 30 minutes in the morning with him. See, here's quality time. This is what it means for God. Quality time, it proves that he's more important than the other things vying for my time. And words of affirmation proves who he is is more important than what he does. Do you understand? See, I show that I'm God's friend when God gets the first part of my morning. And I show that I'm God's friend when I praise God for who he is, not just ask him to do. Do you notice something in Martha and Mary's interaction with Jesus? The only thing that Martha talked to Jesus about is what she wanted Jesus to do for her. And I wonder if our prayers are the same. So how do we show time to God? Or how do we show love to God by time and words? 
And again, if you need a help on how to get started on that, those sheets are at the info t- the, the Start Here booth, and they're on the app. First thing in the morning, read that chapter. Even if you don't understand it, the, the goal is to build a habit, not to build a, be a theologian. Just read it, build a habit. And then take those prayers and just read those back to God. They're his words of praise and adoration. See, Martha was concerned with making everything look right. Mary realized that maybe there were some things that were okay to leave undone so she could show love. Here's what I know. See if this isn't true. I know it's as true for you as it is for me. That none of us want to be forced to ask the one we love to give us love the way we receive it. Right? We all want the one we love to know us well enough that they know what communicates love. And we want them to voluntarily give it. The same is true for Jesus. You understand? So as we discover what God's love language is, he will not demand it from us. All the Bible is summed up in this, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. To voluntarily show love to God because he will not hold our feet to the fire and demand it to us. To voluntarily show love to God because he wants to see it come from a joyful heart, not a life of duty. God is king, but he is more than king. Yes. Now he's my friend. Yes. Amen. God is master, but he's more than master. Now yes. he's our friend. And friends voluntarily spend time with and affirm. Yes. Friends voluntarily serve and give love in physical ways that can be seen. And friends give to each other in tangible ways. Just what love does. And so now, we have the opportunity to assess our friendship with the God who has called us friend. And see how we can better respond to our friend in love. In these three weeks that we're going into a season where God takes the first steps to show us his love by sending his son to come to earth as a child to live a sinless life, to be crucified and then be resurrected. And going into that season when we're going into the realization of what God has done for us and showing us his love, we have the opportunity to make commitments to show our love and response. To show that yes, indeed, We are friends of God. Father, thank you. 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 That you have loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you that there's nothing we can do that would separate us from your love. Thank you that you don't respond to us in kind. Thank you that your love is unrelenting and never-ending. 
Thank you that you have offered us the opportunity to enter into a friendship with you. Father, there are some of us here who pray confession. Forgive us for saying with our mouths that we love you. For saying with our mouths that you and your kingdom is important and that it stopped there. Father, hear us in this place who are realizing that our love must be words and more than that. Hear us as we make commitments to spend time with you, praising you, to serve you, your people, and your kingdom, and to give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. Receive our love. For some of you in this moment, I want you to take the opportunity right now to set yourself up to show God in the tangible way of quality time and affirmation to set yourself up for that right now. Here's what I want you to, I'm going to ask you to pray this. If you want to set yourself up for this in this moment, I want you to just pray this in your own words. Just pray this. Holy Spirit, Tomorrow morning, wake me up early and do not allow me to go back to sleep so that I will spend time, quality time with the Father. God, we don't want to neglect showing you love. I pray, Father, that you would prompt our spirits that this would be a priority and the priority of our life to love you with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength you are a great god worthy of our praise you've loved us with an everlasting love help us in this moment to commit to responding in love